Welcome to the Hills. Preacher Rick here. I love telling the story that I can increasingly relate to of the guy who loved to play golf, but as his eyesight got worse, he thought he might have to give up the game. He was talking to the head pro, and the pro said, no problem. I'll pair you tomorrow with my uncle. He's got eyes like an eagle. So he showed up for his tea time the next morning, and there was a 98-year-old man on the first tee. He said, who are you? I'm the pro's uncle. I need someone that can see my golf ball. No problem. I got eyes like an eagle. So the fella hits his shot. He turns to the old man. Did you see it? Did you see it? The old man said, yes, I sure did. Where'd it go? And the old man said, I forgot. (laughs) Okay, here's the point. To get to where you're going, you need more than good vision. You need good memory. So welcome to the hills. If you're a guest, watch it online or in person at West Fort Worth Keller or North Virginia for the very first time, you picked a great time to be here because we are recasting the vision for our church. And we know along with great vision, there needs to be great memory. We need to recall what it is that God has put on our hearts to do because a vision that can't be measured is just a slogan. So we call our five-year vision asking for nations and generations. And you can keep up with it throughout the year. We have a website we've created called nationsandgenerations.org. But each fall, we take a moment and we just recast and remind ourselves of what it is we believe God is leading us to do. What I want to do today is recast our vision specifically for generations. We did nations last week. Uh, But I want to start this week with a story that warmed my heart of this fellow named Herman Cruz. Herman is a bus driver in New Jersey. He noticed a boy in his bus that seemed kind of sad. He asked why. He said, well, I'm struggling to read, and nobody in my family has time to help me. So Herman said, well, I'll help you. So he came to his class, and other kids began to notice. And before you know it, everybody wanted to be one of Mr. Herman's kids. They created a special corner in the room just for kids to go and read with Mr. Herman. Scholastic organization gave the school a thousand new books so kids could read with Mr. Herman. And what I love about this story is a man whose own kids are grown and gone who says, I still have a responsibility to bless the next generation. To reach nations, we must reach generations. And when we reach generations, It increases our capacity to reach nations. Look at this verse. Psalm 45 says, I will bring honor to your name in every generation. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. When we reach a generation, we're increasing our capacity to reach more nations. So last week, I spent a moment and just tried to theologically ground God's heart for nations. I want to take a moment and do the same thing for generations. Isn't it interesting? That when God identifies himself, what he likes to say almost more than anything else is, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He introduces himself as a God of generations. That his redemptive agenda is not just for a generation, it is for every generation. And he desires a faith that is equally generational. That every generation needs to live out its faith, grateful for those who came before and mindful of those who will come after. We receive from the past, we apply in the present, and we instill in 
the future. Look, for example, at Psalm 78. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. We received it from the past. We're going to apply it in the present, and we're going to instill it in the future. Or look again at Psalm 145. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I think you see this theme throughout the Bible. I put it this way. The scriptures challenge every generation to invest in every generation. We see this clearly in the written word. But I would argue we see it just as clearly in the word become flesh. Jesus spent a lot of time in the company of children. In fact, it seems like there was one available anytime he needed a child for an illustration. So to understand Jesus, you got to know he invested not just in his current generation, but in the next one. Look, for example, at uh, Mark chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Now, I'm trying to think in the best possible light, what were the disciples thinking? I'm guessing they were thinking, Jesus is on important business. He's on mission. He's got a redemptive agenda. He doesn't need to be wasting his time with little kids that can't add any value to his mission. And Jesus said, guys, you're not listening. The kingdom I'm trying to bring brings value. These children have value. I'm not wasting my time when I invest in them. And he gave the next generation three gifts, time, touch, and prayer. And have you ever thought that maybe one reason Jesus gave so much focused attention to children is because he knew from personal experience how hard life could be on a kid? Have you ever reflected much on what Jesus' childhood might have been like? I know this. It wasn't easy. I know he grew up poor. When his parents dedicated him in the temple, they brought the offering the law prescribed for the very poorest families. He grew up with very meager means. He was an adoptive son. And in his case, that came with scandal and insinuation that must have affected him. Probably for his late teenage and early adult life, he lived in the house of a single mom. And never forget this. As a young boy, Jesus was an immigrant, and he was a refugee. 
So Jesus knew from personal experience that life could be hard on a kid. Now think about it. What other religion in the world has a God like this? A God who has been a child. I mean, just the thought of that ought to fill us with a sense of wonder. But it also should fill us with a sense of responsibility. And so we ask for the generations. And we want to accompany our words with deeds. And so we're trying to pursue seven specific goals for the next generation we feel God has laid in our heart. Here's the first. To launch and lead, celebrate recovery and a freedom ministry for the redemption of broken generations. Because we all understand that if a current generation is in any kind of a bondage or addiction, it has a huge impact on the next generation. But we also understand there's power in the gospel to liberate and create a new normal for future generations. And so two years ago, we launched Celebrate Recovery Ministry at the NRH campus. They meet every Thursday night, about 110 adults, or 50 volunteers. Uh, Jamie and I met this last Thursday night with them. It was powerful. And, and they're pursuing freedom in Christ. 80 have graduated from CR's 12-step program. And to date, 23 people in CR have baptized, been surrendered to Christ and been baptized. So we celebrate that. And we've seen this last year, members of our CR ministry go to 12 other CR ministries and share their testimonies. Because the gospel doesn't just provide a removal of the penalty of sin. It provides release from the power of sin. And, and a family that has been in generations of bondage can see that bondage broken so that the next generation doesn't have to go through what past generations have experienced. And freedom is a beautiful blessing to give the next generation. So we're thankful for CR. Goal number two was to raise up 25 new foster families in our church and train 100 members to serve foster families. You don't have to read the Bible very much to know God has a heart for the fatherless and the family-less. God doesn't want a single child to have to grow up without a strong, stable home. But so many do. Thousands in our state are in the foster system, hundreds right here in Tarrant County. And we are asking God to use us to give some of these kids a better future. And so to date, in the two years of our vision, we've seen six families step up to foster. Five are currently fostering, and the six has completed the adoption process. Let me show you. Our very first family were the Urans, and last year, I could not show you little Jeremiah's picture because he was in the system. Well, he's not in the system anymore. He's in a family, and he's been adopted, and his brother Lincoln is pretty pumped about that. And then there was Marcus Medina, been in the system for a long time, but through a kinship placement, he came to the Ayala family, and this past summer, uh, Marcus made the decision to surrender to Christ and be baptized, and we believe his future has been changed as well. 
Please pray for the 10 families in our church who are currently considering fostering. Pray that God will give them clear direction. And while you're at it, give thanks for the over 100 individuals in our church who gave time this past year to be a blessing to kids in the foster system through our different organizations we partner with, primarily a ministry called Our Father's Children, where members in our church take kids in the foster system to camp. And for one week, they get the kind of love and attention that many of these kids don't get for the rest of the year. Now, I understand that most of you may never foster, but you can be a blessing to those who do. You can meet a foster family and simply ask, how can I support you? Goal number three, we want to mobilize 2,000 members a year to serve in ministry to kids and students in our church and our community. Our vision is calling on every member of our church, even if you don't have kids, even if your kids are grown and gone, every member of our church to be intentional about giving the gifts of time and touch and prayer to the next generation. Now, the primary way we do this in our church is through our next-gen ministry to kids and students. And to date, this year, we've got 1,104 unique individuals that have served next-gen ministry in our church, primarily through teaching Bible classes and through helping in our student ministry leading groups. And I think all of them would tell you, they receive more than they give. And we've made a shift in our strategy this year, especially to kids. We're using a new curriculum called Kids Story. We've always taught the Bible, but now what we've added to that is time for those kids in silence to listen to God and hear what God is saying to them through the Bible. In other words, we're trying to teach our children to learn to hear the Holy Spirit. More about that in a moment. And while we don't have exact numbers, we know another over 500 people in our church serve kids and students in parachurch organizations we partner with, like Academy 4 for kids, mentoring fourth graders, Teen Lifeline, counseling teenagers, Our Father's Children, taking kids to camp, the CEC, Christ Haven Home for Children, Pregnancy Help for You. And there's a way for you to serve too. Jesus said, whoever welcomes a child in my name welcomes me. Okay, let that sink in. Jesus said, whoever welcomes a child in my name welcomes me. And I believe there is a time and a way for you, no matter your age, to find a chance to welcome Jesus. Go number four. We want to launch a ministry resume program that trains at least 10 people for future service in the church. Academies and seminaries have their place, but the best way to learn to work in a church is to work in a church. And that's what we want to do. And so we've got this program where residents come for 9 to 12 months. They work about 25 hours a week training, learning how to serve the church. So 
Our goal is 10 in five years. This year, we're going to be training our third resident. We did two last year. We wanted to do two this year. One had to drop out at the last moment. But let me introduce our resident this year, Justin Thomas. Justin surrendered his life to Christ here at our church. He is gifted in creative arts, videography, and uh, telling stories. And he wants to do this with his life for Jesus. And so he's going to work in our creative arts arena. And then let me give you an update. Uh, Parisa Brown was one of our very first residents last year. Parisa grew up in a Muslim home. She found Jesus at our church, and she wants to serve the church. So she was a resident last year. She's getting a master's degree at Dallas Theological Seminary, and I'm thrilled to announce we've just hired Parisa to be Connections Minister at our new Dallas campus that we're going to be launching next spring. Because... We want to raise the next generation of ministers, not just hire them. Goal number five was to guide 3,000 people to connect to God, church, and their purpose through Rooted, a small group discipleship experience. Rooted gets people together, and it gets them involved in the kind of disciplines that make room for people to be transformed into the image of Christ. It's high investment, and it yields a high return. Ask anyone who's done Rooted... If you think you should do it, I already know what they'll say. Our goal is 3,000 in five years. To date, 851 people have gone through the Rooted experience. We just launched our next set of Rooted classes. We've got eight classes, meet, or no, 18 Rooted groups meeting across our campuses, including one now in Dallas. We have five Rooted groups meeting in our Spanish-speaking ministry. We're going to have our next launch in January then next summer, which we've never done before, and then next fall, and we want you to do Rooted. Okay, I'm going to step on a few toes. When the pandemic came, we had to shut down in-person gatherings of all kinds, including our community groups. The pandemic's over. It's time for you to get back into a group. Some of you, your groups haven't come back together yet, or you just haven't made it a priority yet. It's time to do that. Why don't you find a group or get your old group back together, and why don't you next January go and do Rooted together? I promise if we get 3,000 people to go through Rooted, we will be a changed church. Goal number six, we want to strengthen marriages by developing relationship champions to impact and encourage 250 couples, because nothing blesses the next generation more than strong marriages in this generation. Now, I'm thankful that God works in all kinds of families, but the data is irrefutable. Kids do best when they live in a stable home where their mother and father are with them. So when we pour into marriages, we are having generational impact. So we want to bless 250 couples in five years. Well, today, we've trained 30 won couples as relationship champions, and they have impacted and encouraged 124 couples. They do this through one-on-one mentoring, through small groups, through some equipped courses that we teach in classes. Uh, for example, we just had a nearly wed seminar. Every young couple about to get married got paired with relationship champions to walk them through their first year of marriage together. Uh, this is the Owens and they're walking with the porters as they get off to a good start on how to have a strong marriage. And then we have groups like Robbie and Debbie Wright 
who have people in their homes just to focus on building their marriages. We also have relationship champions that teach an eight-week course for people whose marriages are broken and they want to reconcile and get them back together. This was personal to me. I've, I've told you before, my mother and father split up. I lived part of my life without my dad. My mother and father decided to try to save their marriage and let the church help. I wouldn't be standing here today if they had not fought for their marriage. And that decision didn't just bless me and my brother. It blessed our children who now have children of their own. You see, a strong Christ-centered marriage is a gift that just keeps on giving. And then our final goal is to create an intergenerational mentoring experience for men and women on every campus with the goal of maturing 300 kingdom influencers. Leaders aren't found. Leaders are formed. So we want to be intentional about raising up the next generation of kingdom difference makers through coaching and modeling and serving together. We're doing it in men primarily through a program called Radical Mentoring. It is high investment as guys get together for a year and uh, they bless each other. And we've got eight mentoring groups going on right now through our three campuses. Now, the women are using a different strategy called gather groups. In a gather group, uh, 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 a mentor takes a younger sister in Christ and mentors her as together they lead a small group of women. You see my wife here is a mentor, and this is a gather group that meets in our house. And let me just tell you, when they get together, they have fun, which is code for they make a lot of noise. <laughs> and it is absolutely a delight to have them in our home. We have 59 gather groups meeting across all three campuses. And so our goal is 300. To date, in two years, we've already helped mature 196 future leaders in our church through intentional intergenerational mentoring. That's just one more way that we're trying to take from the past. We're trying to apply it in the present. And we're trying to instill it in the future. Because remember, the scriptures challenge every generation to invest in every Generation And the best way to pour is prayer. Remember, the word gave me was ask for nations and generations. So you have your permission, my permission right now to get your phone out because I want you to see this QR code. We've created a 21-day prayer guide that is starting tomorrow. And if you'll get this QR code, uh, it will send you to a link. And you can sign up, and we will send you every day for three weeks the prayer for that day we're asking you to pray. Or you can just go to the church website, and we'll have the prayer there every day. But I'm excited to think that for the next three weeks, thousands of us every day are praying the same prayer to God as we ask for nations and generations. So... Let me try to land this plane by talking about something on all of our hearts. We live in strange and difficult times. These are not the times my parents grew up in when almost all the major institutions supported the Christian faith. 
These are not even the times that I grew up in, where the institutions were tolerant of the Christian faith. We're now living in times where more and more the institutions are hostile to the Christian faith. And these are the times the next generation will live in. Don't despair. This is not a new challenge for the people of God. For most of the history of the people of God, we have had to pass on faith in difficult times as an exiled minority. So let me tell you a story quickly. It's found in the first three chapters of a book in the Old Testament called 1 Samuel. And it was bad times. Idolatry and wickedness abounded. The Bible says people did whatever was right in their own eyes. And there was a couple that lived, determined to live counterculturally and stay faithful to God. And Hannah, the wife, desperately wanted a baby and couldn't get pregnant. They would often go to the house of the Lord to worship him there, and she would pour out her heart to God, and God heard that prayer, and she became pregnant. And she gave birth to little Samuel. And when he was old enough, she brought Samuel to the house of the Lord so that he could stay there continually in the presence of God. Well, little Samuel's asleep one night, and God calls him. And the text says Samuel did not yet know the Lord. So he did not know what was happening. But there was an older prophet there named Eli who taught Samuel how to hear and respond to the voice of the Lord. And Samuel went on to become a mighty man of God. Now, from that story, I think there are three things we can learn that every generation needs. And the first is committed parents. The ideal would be that every child has parents that are prayer warriors, praying fervently for their kids. Parents that are regular in attending the religious activities of their community of faith. Parents that will not surrender to the culture, but will be countercultural even if it puts them in the minority. Every child needs those kind of parents. And every child needs invested mentors. Because while nothing is more important to passion on faith than parents, research says that any child that grows up and owns their faith almost always has two to five other older voices that spoke into them. Every child needs Hannah, and every child needs some Eli's. And every child needs to learn to recognize God encounters. To learn how to hear and respond to the voice of the Lord. Let me tell you why that's so important right now. Perhaps you've heard a lot about something called deconstruction, and that word can mean many things. But it's talking about a phenomenon where many younger people are actually, in many cases, jettisoning the faith of their fathers. And there could be many reasons for that, but I'll tell you at least one. 
If a child grows up and he never sees faith modeled by mentors and parents, if all faith is is a series of propositions to believe, that child will go to college and a freshman philosophy professor will poke so many holes in their faith, it was doubtful they will ever hold on to it. But hear me. You cannot deconstruct a person. You can never argue and convince me that my wife Jamie is not real. I've had too much real experience with her. We don't want the next generation just to have a bunch of propositions. We want the next generation to know that a dynamic, intimate, supernatural relationship with the living God is possible and, in fact, is normal. We want the next generation to know that God is real, that he is alive, that he speaks and guides. He's not a proposition. He is a real person that they can intimately experience. This is why more and more now in everything we're doing with the next generation, we're asking, take a moment to be still and listen to the Lord. What is he telling you? They sent me some uh, testimonies from this just past summer. Uh, one young uh, high school girl, for the first time ever, prayed for a healing for a friend. And God answered that prayer, and her friend was healed. And she is forever changed by that experience. Another young man went to camp, battling depression, feeling empty. And on the third night of worship, he said, I got filled with a sense of joy and love I've never felt in my life. And I knew it was from God. He had a God encounter, and it changed him. Uh, one of our young men on mission trip said, I've been fighting a sin for years, and we're worshiping one night, and I'm listening to the Lord, and I heard the word deliverance, and God told me what that meant, and I said out loud, I declare deliverance over my life, and I haven't struggled with that sin ever since, and maybe my favorite is the young girl who heard me give this message last year, and she started to pray, God Please bring some spiritual fathers and mothers into my life. And God has abundantly answered that prayer. And these young people are learning that God is not a proposition. He's a dynamic person who wants to be engaged intimately in their life. That can happen. That is happening. And that's how we're going to ask for generations. So I'll close with one more picture. This was last Sunday. I got to be with both of my new grandbabies born this past year. And let me tell you, that is pure joy on that face right there. Being a grandfather is the best gig ever. But it's changed my prayer life. I'm praying prayers I didn't pray a year ago because of those two little kids. Here's the prayer I'm praying. Even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come.
God's already given me more days than I deserve. I'm not entitled to live another single day. And if he wants me to come see Jesus soon, I'm okay. But here's what I'm asking. God, give me the health and clarity of mind to live long enough to speak faith into my grandchildren. To tell them why I believe and to tell them about the God that I know. And to teach them that they can know this God too. My grandchildren need my voice. But you know what? They need your voice too. And so together, we are going to ask for the next generation. In fact, we're going to do that right now. I like to end my sermons with prayer. A little different today. Please, everyone, stand up at every campus and online. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to get in groups of about three to four people. Not big groups because we're not going to take too long. We're going to pray for the next generation. Not generically. We're going to pray by name. I want you to name your children or your grandchildren or your neighbor's kid or the child on your kid's soccer team or the person in your school. I want you to lift up an actual name to the Lord and ask for them and for their faith. We're going to take about two or three minutes to do this. So get in your groups right now and let's pray by name for the next generation. Take about one more minute. Okay, if you would go ahead and turn your attention toward the stage. And by the way, after this service is dismissed, you can get back up together and keep praying if you haven't finished. But I wish you could see how beautiful a sight it was I witnessed from this stage. I see hundreds of people. And, and just think in the last few minutes, hundreds of kids were brought by name through the blood of Jesus 
into the presence of God. Let's keep praying and asking.